put the mic on his face. Two, three, one, go. Here we go. We start with uh, Patrick Strait. Welcome to the show. Uh, a young show, but uh, a fun show. That's what I mainly want it to be for, for the listeners and, and for you. You're the author of uh, a book, uh, Funny Things About Minnesota. And uh, you're starting a virtual book tour, which I have no idea what that entails. So I'd be interested to know. <laughs> Sure. No, about. yeah, man. I appreciate you guys having me. Yeah, you know, the book uh, just came out a couple of months ago through the Minnesota Historical Society. And like you said, I mean, it, it's all about the history of stand-up comedy, you know, mostly in Minnesota, since obviously that's where I'm based out of. But, you know, a lot of people, I don't think fully understand, you know, the the scope and just kind of the depth of, of stand-up comedy from Minnesota, right? I mean, when you look at the list of names of people who came out of here, it's insane. You know, you have Louis Anderson, you've got Liz Winstead, and then obviously a little bit later on, you've got, you know, the folks like the Nick Swardsons and the Mitch Hedbergs and the Maria Bamfords, all these really huge names. Um, but nobody really has ever looked into, you know, well, where did this all start and why did this all start, right? You know, you just kind of assume that, you know, if, you, if you're a comedy fan today, you kind of take it for granted, right? You assume there's mm. where there's rooms everywhere. Um, and that wasn't the case back in the 70s and 80s. So that's what I really wanted to kind of jump into and explore with this. So I had, I sat down with a lot of comics who either got their starts in Minnesota, like I said, like Louie, like Scott Hansen, um, you know, Alex Cole, a lot of these guys who became household names in the 80s. Uh, and then there's a lot of great stories from guys who maybe didn't start in Minnesota, but were here for quite a while and kind of cut their teeth in the Minnesota market. So like Tom Arnold was a huge one out here. He was somebody. Buzzy. Yeah. So Tom Arnold's actually from Iowa and he actually ended up coming out to, to Minnesota because he was originally going to go to LA. He was like, okay, I'm going to go be a star. And a couple of people who, who worked a room out here had seen his set and said, you know, I want to go try to get some work maybe somewhere else first. Like, you might want to sharpen up a little bit. So that's how you Yeah, well, I just wonder. It's interesting because, uh, so, uh, because a lot of these guys, you're saying more names and now more comedic uh, uh, stars are like Schwartzen for me. For me, Hedberg, I think you said that on one of your mm -hmm. other podcasts. Mm -hmm. Louis Armstrong, of course. Um, and, now, and now you said uh, uh, Arnold. Uh, what was his name? The last one? Oh, Tom Arnold. Tom Arnold. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. I, which I haven't heard too much of his comedy, but I just know him from Roseanne and all that stuff, you know? Yeah. Yeah, and he brought, it's funny too, because he, you know, like you said, he, you know, everybody kind of knows him from Roseanne and all that. And Roseanne's another one who, she was kind of like a feature act. You know, she was kind of like a middle act when she first started coming through Minnesota. And she met Tom Arnold at one of the clubs out here. And that's how they actually met. And that's when they got married. And obviously they had their whole well-documented story which yeah. for a whole other day but um you know they really brought a lot a lot of other comics from out here who came on to be or went on to be pretty big deals in hollywood because yeah. you know writing for roseanne and stuff like that you know whether it was uh oh man i mean and then there's also the, a lot of folks who they brought out who came out to la who you know kind of through those connections also had kind of found their way into other writing jobs and acting jobs and things like that you know the the mystery science theater 3000 guys are all from out here so they all got their start here just a lot of big names and then you know there's there's stories in the book about you know jay leno and jerry seinfeld and folks who were just kind of starting to really take off a little bit back in the 80s and this is one of the places you know minnesota was a place they would come a lot because it, it kind of became this hot spot for comedy people knew it people were excited about it and so you know, before they were really household names, you, you had the opportunity to, to get to see these guys. And some of the stories about their first times here are hilarious. So that's uh, oh, yeah. a nutshell. 
Yeah, so is it still the same as it was back then? Is it still a comedy hotbed or has the comedy hotbed moved to another area? Where is the comedy hotbed? I hear it's Austin, Texas because of Joe yeah, Rogan. Yeah, well, I mean, Austin now, like, yeah, I mean, Joe Rogan moving down there and everything that he's trying to establish. Yeah, Austin's about to be huge. But, you know, I mean, it's, it's different now, but I think if you talk to any stand-up comic, right? Like if you talk to anybody who, who tours, who's, you know, outside of just kind of their own little geographic region, you know, they'll tell you, Minnesota is still really well respected and really looked at as kind of a, like you said, a hotbed of comedy. It's a place where, you know, comics either, you know, come here to develop because there's a lot of strong writers who come out of here, the crowds who come to see comedy here, you know, they've kind of, for lack of a better term, learned how to really like watch comedy and appreciate it. And they'll give you, they'll give you kind of the, the opportunity to grow as a comedian out here, which I think a lot of markets don't, you know, if you're in some places, you know, you get on that stage and it's like, all right, Make me laugh, clown! Like, let's do this. And if you well, how do you know how do you know that specifically? Have you oh, gone, man. Have I've you gone toured, to, or you just uh, in interviews that you've done? I mean, talking with other comics. I mean, visiting other comedy clubs. You know, just really kind of uh, doing some really extensive research into what the comedy comedy world is like. You know, in the rest of the country. You know, there are places where people are. You know, they, you got to hook them quick. And if you don't, they're gonna kind of you know they're done with you. Like they're not gonna give you that that opportunity and that space to keep building your set and to keep kind of trying to win them back. People get it, you know, they say, okay, if you have a bad joke here or there, we understand. And we're gonna let you keep trying to find your footing. You know, okay, that joke wasn't great, but let's see what else you got. And so that's- Comedy, a comedy was coming out. Yeah, sorry, I didn't mean that. I was, no, you're good, man. I was trying to do the comedy timing. I was gonna say, you get a lot of comedy mulligans in Minnesota. It's exactly. like, uh, there you you know, go. the rules are, you get two mulligans and then, uh, you know, three and you're out, kind of like baseball <laughs> there rules, you go. You know, at some Minnesota. point you're just bad, you know what I mean? At some point, oh, yeah. you're getting too many options. You're just not good at it. <laughs> but why, themselves, I guess. But that's a good question. Why do some people that, uh, well, this you, you could do this with singing and everything else or any artistic thing. Why do some people think that they're good at stand-up comedy and they bomb, but they still think they're good? I mean, and you, you were talking yeah. about that on one of your uh, episodes. I watched two, uh, three of your of your things throughout the week. Oh, you cool. Did, I think you did live streams. And maybe yeah, that's what yeah, it was, a virtual uh, live stream. Is that what it is? Yeah, yeah, you got it. We did some different, uh, some different book launch events and some of the, the yeah. personal and yeah, dude, I mean, you're totally right. It's one of those things where, you know, I think that comedy is, in my opinion, just from what I've, you know, learned from talking with other comics, it's funny because it's both the, in my opinion, hardest art form in terms of, you know, being able to really connect with an audience. And at the same time, it's the one art form that I think everybody thinks they can do, right? Which is a perfect yeah. form for, for trouble. So to Absolutely. your point, I think... If you're the guy at work who's funny, right? Like, oh, I'm at the office and I crack people up, man. Everybody loves me. And then you get up and you try to do an open mic and you just eat it and people don't understand why. And it's like, sometimes you got to realize, you know, there's, there's different levels of funny, right? There's, there's different things that you need to learn. And being funny in a conversational atmosphere doesn't always translate into being funny on stage. And I think that, yeah. you know, a lot of people have to learn that the hard way. Um, but that being said, you know, the other thing too is I've talked to a lot of comics who they'll, their first time on stage, they'll kill, right? Like they'll go yeah. up there and they'll have killer set. And then the next seven or eight sets they'll do are terrible. Like they'll just, yeah. they'll just bomb. And it's wild to me. I'm, you know, I, I've, I've dabbled, but I'm myself not a, not a stand-up. I'm a historian, but I'm not a comic myself. I don't know if I got the, uh, you know, 
if I've got the, the stomach for it, man. I don't know if I could do it if I could just bomb seven, eight, nine times. Well, like, it's cool. I'm going to keep going up and doing it again, man. That takes yeah. perseverance. And I think you also got to be wired a little different, you know? Well, yeah. Well, uh, I think it also matters when you bomb. If you bomb yes. first seven, you're like, okay, definitely not. But if you right. nail your first two and then bomb the next seven, you're like, well, I knew how to make it funny before. So I know <laughs> right. there's something there. It's just, and it, you know, and if you speak to comedians, I think that they will admit, like, everybody bombs. Everybody yeah, has bads. Cool. Everybody has greats, you know? Like, it's not the perfect science by any means yes. because the art is very subjective you know totally totally man and you know it's funny i was talking to somebody uh actually earlier today and he said this to me and this was very funny he goes you know if stand-up's kind of the only place where an audience will turn on the artist and what i mean by that is if you go to a bar right or you go to a show and there's live music and you know you're listening and unless it's really bad like really really bad you're not gonna boo the band you know you're not right, yeah you know, you're not going to go quiet. You're not going to glare. You're like, all right, you know, they're musicians. And if, even if you don't like the song, you're like, it's fine. <laughs> you're not, I mean, you know, obviously you're not there live, but you know, actors and actresses, you know, they don't know what the feedback is like because they're not there in the room. And so it's not like if you ever run into an actor, probably on the street, you're going to be like, Hey, remember how you did in, you know, nutty professor or whatever. I'm yeah. Reading a show you what, did. That what, well, theater <laughs> probably more similarly to, uh, stand-up comedy than movies sure. because movies you're just recording you can edit whatever yeah. you want and then you no, don't even have to listen to anybody totally right. when they watch the movie except for critics when they write it in the newspaper but no, i want no, you totally it, right into one of my questions that i had was you know it was theater the first stand-up comedy not not obviously it's not solo but right when did it originate how did it originate you know, was it the court jester, like at the King's place in medieval times, you know, and that was the stand-up comedian. And then it met theater. And then it was like, oh, I could just be the court jester and I could just right. do that myself and make some money. Yeah, man. I mean, I'll be honest with you. I can't necessarily tell you the, you know, the far, far, far back impetus. I mean, I know if you, if you look into it, you know, there's vaudeville and there's all that kind of the old well, time stuff where, you know, yeah. There was an element of acting, a little element of improv, and then it just kind of became the, you know, how silly can you be and make people laugh from it? I know, yeah. you know, the in Minnesota, at least, I can tell you, and from other markets I've talked about, you know, improv was really kind of there before stand-up, right? Because you had a lot of people who understood that aspect of it. You know, they were still, they're still up there with other actors. They could play off of each other. You know, you could be very, like, thematic. You're still kind of playing a character. And to a degree, you know, stand-up, you still have some of a character, but, you know, that's really more just you. And I think, you know, if you go back in time and you look at, you know, some of those stand-up comedians who were doing it before everybody else, you know, go back to the, you know, the, the old days, you know, the Bob Hopes and the, oh gosh, you know, the Bob Newharts and, you know, guys like that. It's funny because they're so revered, but there really never had been a path. Nobody had ever done that. You know, it's not like you yeah. have what stand-up comedy should be. Whereas now, you know, like us, we sit down, we can watch a special today and, you know, we've seen stand-up comedy before. We kind of have an understanding yeah. what it's supposed to be like, or here's what it can feel like. But, you know, you go to the seventies and you got guys who are just like, I'm going to get on stage and I'm just going to, I'm going to talk, I'm going to tell jokes. And, and it's funny too, because I'm sure if we, if you and me sat down and watched, you know, Louis Anderson or whoever do his set from the seventies or the eighties, we might kind of be looking at each other like, oh, like this is, this is kind of the, 
you know, rim shot, the type comedy. I don't, I don't think so. I, 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 I go back because I was listening to some of Louis's stuff because I just wanted to see. Oh what yeah, Louis's timeless man. in your book, uh, because he was the MC at uh, what was the name of the uh, bar that uh, that you talk about in your first chapter? It's called Mickey. Yeah, Finn. Uh, Mickey Finn's. Mickey Finn's. Mickey Finn's. Kind yeah, of original so comedy bar out here. Yep. Yeah, and you guys had an intimate conversation about how a group of you guys in the, one of your virtual uh, YouTube videos mm-hmm. uh, about that, and I found it very interesting. Well, I didn't know any of those other guys. I only knew Louie Anderson, but I'm, yeah, 40, I'm 43 years old, so maybe, you know, I came in just a little bit late. I was, you know, like... You and me I, both, though, man. I mean, I'm right up... I'm, we're about the same age there, and I mean, I'm kind of in the same place where... And it's funny because I asked this to Louis too, right? I kind of said, hey, you know, you guys all started together. You guys all kind of came up together. You know, what, what kind of made you the, the guy who got the break? You know, was it talent? Was it timing? And he even said, he goes, you know, it's not fair sometimes. He goes, it's not always the guy who's best that gets the break. He goes, you know, yeah. if I have those guys pushing me and if I wasn't working with those guys, I might not have gotten the opportunities. I might not have gotten to where I was as a writer. So, so yeah. you're, I mean, he's... He's definitely somebody who's timeless. I mean, his stuff still stands the, the test of time, but it's funny because there was really nobody to build his style off of. He kind of just had to get up there and find his own way. And I think the good comics still do that, but I think you have a lot of comics who, you know, they kind of try to be what they think is your, what you're supposed to be as a comic. So, And that's exactly right. Because Louis always threw it back in his face. He's like, I know what I look like. You know, yeah. like he always made fun of himself before he made fun of anybody else. And that made, the, I feel like it made me at ease mm-hmm. to be attacked now because you just yeah. attacked yourself. And that was exactly. a very interesting uh, method to go about it. And that that's probably has a lot to do with the improv because you don't know where it's going to go when you take a shot like that, how it's totally. going to go. So it was Minnesota the, the home of improv? Is that where it, improv? Yeah itself originated i don't know about say improv originated here i'm sure if you went back that's probably something you're looking more at like you know west coast that's more of a california or a new york coast type thing but there was a really well-established improv scene out here before stand-up became big you know there's a guy named mm-hmm. biggs who's who's pretty well known in the improv world uh he passed away last year but he's somebody who he really made a huge impact on improv nationally and internationally and he was running different shows here he had a couple of different improv theaters in minnesota and it's funny because if you you know as i talked to some of the improv performers and some of the folks who were involved in that world who who were there in you know the 70s and 80s when these guys started doing stand-up they kind of looked at stand-up as like this totally weird unexplainable thing right i mean they were like well you're not doing what we do. You're not an actor. You're not somebody who gets Well, up. it is. It's a combining the two. It's combining improv with acting because you oh, have yeah. to act. You know what you're supposed to say, but you improv from there. It doesn't exactly. necessarily have to go by script. You know what I mean? Exactly. And that's the funny thing, too, is you get these guys who at first they'd be very, like, kind of put off by this, and then they'd see it, and then they'd all of a sudden want to try it. So all of a sudden you had this big yeah. improv. No performers who wanted to try to be stand-up comedians. No, like, oh, this idea. is new and different, and <laughs> I want to see what it's like, so. Yeah, bad idea. If you're an improvisationist, that means that you're a sharp thinker, you think on the fly, and that's your comedic style. Sure. If you have an act, you're not a sharp person. It's a very long process to put your act together, and it evolves Definitely. over a lengthy amount of time. Like, it's Definitely. two completely different things. I agree I, with you, man, yeah. I agree. But I think yeah. that a, uh, a, a comedian that has long form, like an act, could do improv pretty easy, I think. 
mm-hmm. based on yeah, the you know, yeah no no I'm not, but not in the reverse you couldn't have an improv guy go up and try to do an act or maybe am i wrong i'm probably wrong on i don't know one. i mean i'm sure like you said i'm sure there's people who cross over to both pieces of it right who are great yeah. performers and great stand-up comics. like robin williams is one of the ones who comes to mind i mean the guy yep. yeah he was both worlds right i mean he, he could was. do improv he could do stand-up like he could do it all just because he was like, yep. he was another level of genius some guys mm-hmm. like said you know they and there's even stand-up comics today who are really well known and really famous who have tried to be actors and they've tried to do more improv and they bombed, man. They ate it. And on the flip side, you got some really talented actors who decided they were stand-up comedians. And I've seen actors who come and done shows, and it was just like, it's not your Kid, I, I, I know you, you're, you know? I know you're trying to sell a book, but uh, can you name names? Oh, man. I mean, let's see. Let's think about this here for a little while. I mean, I know... Uh, oh, I know that, for example, when... Um, so, you know that Adam Sandler movie, uh, Funny People came out, right? Okay, I don't think I saw that one. A couple one. Of years ago. And he went on tour and there was a whole group of, his whole kind of crew did it, right? That whole kind of Happy Madison tour. So he did stand-up, Aubrey Plaza did stand-up, Seth Rogen was doing stand-up. And if you watch some of those, they had professionals trying to write their sets for him. And they still, you know, like Aubrey Plaza is, is hilarious as an as actress. And, you know, people love her when she does, you know, different roles. She was not great at stand-up, you know. Sandler is good, but I think Sandler is more of an improv guy, you know, and that's why he was so good on like Saturday Night Live doing characters and doing music. So when he was just trying to do straight stand up, he wasn't as good. Um, yeah, yeah. To your point, it, it just kind of depends on what you're what you're good at. You know, I mean, I think Nick Swartzen's a guy who I think can kind of dabble in both. I think he's a better stand up than he is. Oh, yeah. Proper. Well, actor, he, but, well, he's yeah. phenomenal. He's a phenomenal side actor. Like, oh yeah, I, I'm not talking main character, major movie role, but totally. comedy. He's hilarious. He's hilarious oh, yeah. in comedy, and yeah, he's hilarious yeah. in stand up. He, I think, he he, I think he's one of those that's the right up there. Top five, uh, crossover improv into comedy guys. I'm Robin Williams that, number one, right? Sure. Yeah, no, I like Swartzen up in there. I think you're... Swartzen's on the list. Yeah, I mean, it's like you said, I mean, we could sit here and brainstorm this. And, you know, it's funny to me because there's some people who I think you get so used to seeing them in one role, you don't even think about them as something else. Like, you know, Tim Allen was a huge stand-up comedian. Michael Keaton was a huge stand-up comedian before he was an actor. Okay, really? And it's just so weird because, you know, like, I think of Michael Keaton, I think of Batman. I'm not thinking of stand-up comedy. And so it's what so else? weird to think about some of these guys. Well, he probably thought like, it was the most hilarious thing in the world. He's like, me with this body? Okay. <laughs> right. <laughs> you right. Know what I mean? Totally, man. I mean, yeah. yeah, I mean, yeah. We, can, we can talk about this forever. I mean, you know, Pat Morita, the karate kid, Mr. Miyagi. I mean, that dude was a stand-up comic. So it's, Get out. Mr. Miyagi was a stand-up comedian? He was a stand-up no comic. Way. He's actually a very accomplished stand-up comedian. Matt. That's the name of this episode, bro. That's the name of this episode. Mr. Miyagi <laughs> was a standard comedian. Get out of here. Get out of here. That's yeah, crazy. Man. He was yeah, so serious so in that uh, role. Okay. I know. I'm saying. So it's, it's wild when you see somebody in one thing and then you realize, you know, some people got that crossover ability. Some people don't. So, so no, I totally, I think that's, uh, that's really interesting. Like you said, the, con- the oh, imp- interesting. standard connection. Mm. Well, uh, let's go back a little bit because I do want to talk about your book a little bit. Sure. And then, and then I want to have fun about stand-up comedians because that's really where my, where my, you know, wheelhouse is. Sure. So your, your virtual uh, book launch, virtual book launch, is that, did it, 
it, is that a normal thing? People are doing that like normally? No, Usually I mean, you go and sign books at bookstores, right? right? But you're not allowed to do that now. Yeah, yeah, no, you know, we did it. We've done a couple of events. We're still looking at maybe doing some more this summer. Um, you're right. You know, I mean, COVID kind of shut the whole thing down, right? I mean, ordinarily, you know, the, the plan at one point was, you know, like the event I did with Louie and some of those other guys, we were going to bring them all in. We were going to do a stand up show. We were going to do a sit down conversation, do a book signing. And then when COVID kind of shut that down, it was like, well, you know, how can we still get all these people together to, to share memories and to talk about the book and to kind of discuss, you know, their experiences? And so the virtual, the virtual stuff was, it was okay. You know, it's been fine. I don't love it because I feel like much like stand up comedy, right? Mm -hmm. If you watch Netflix, right? You watch a Netflix special today. It's funny, but it doesn't have that same energy of being in the room like you would at a comedy club or something like that. And that's kind of how yeah. I feel virtual kind of book events. It was great having all these people on the line together, but it just didn't have quite the same energy. So, so yeah, well, things are starting to loosen up. We can get everybody back together. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I agree with you as far as the energy goes, because here's the thing with uh, uh, watching it on a screen. The attention span is very short. So yes. if the energy goes low because you're not in the room with these people, given the energy, you could, you could clock out of there, you know, pause it, you know, you could do anything. So yeah, literally the energy is not there. Exactly. So you have to have it like uh, something super exciting going on. And I think that that's totally. why a lot of these new comedians are switching to just recording their stuff. They record it, edit it, mm -hmm. and then they blast it out in short, like 10 minute clips, you know, three minute yep. clips. It depends on the size, but I think people like it in that short order form now. I, I think I enjoy it. But when I see that it's oh, a three minute video, I'll watch that whole thing. Totally. When I see it's a two hour video, uh, do I have the time to invest in this? I don't know. No, I'm totally with you, man. I think it's, it's kind of one of those things where you have some people who who've gotten really good at understanding comedy and like you said the digital age like that right so i mean even like you know look at TikTok, look at you know that type of stuff you know there's people who are very good at being funny in a very short amount of time and then there's people who you know they come from the old school they come from a more traditional stand-up comedy route where they're you know they build that story and they you know they get you to trust them and they get you to know who they are first and they really are you know they're developing and building as you go along and and like you said, I mean, both are good. You have some people who can do both really, really well. But I think that's been a challenge for, for a lot of comics is you have to be able to, like you said, you have to be able to get in and hold attention in, a, in an era where there's not as nearly the attention span there used to be. Well, you also have to get a group together because, look, you're good at stand-up comedy. It doesn't necessarily you're good at producing and cutting snippets out and adding them oh, in totally. and, and flipping them like you might... Matt's very good at that kind of stuff. Like he'll flip something that was way later in the conversation, put it at the front. I don't know how to do mm -hmm. that, you know? And then it makes it yeah. way funnier, you know? Like in, oh, yeah. uh, in the thing and I, it's brilliant, you know? And I think that that's where comedy, not comedy, but podcasts. I mean, how many podcasts have come out since COVID? Yeah, I feel like if you don't have a podcast, you're the weird one. Yeah, you're a oh, weird yeah. one. That, it's like tattoos, you know? Like You've done three open mics, you got a podcast, man. That's the rule. So. <laughs> it's, you have to. And I think it's because Joe Rogan kept telling everybody, you should have a podcast. Hey, maybe you yeah. should have a podcast. And then everybody was thinking, well, I listen to Joe Rogan. He's the only podcast I ever listen He's the only podcast right. I ever listened to. And then when he said that, it gave me the idea of yeah. just recording funny things that happen and you know what would be cool a okay. podcast 
of like, but the podcast is not a conversation here. It's just like recording the life of that person. So it's oh, out yeah. and about. Somebody mm-hmm. gave me that idea and I, yeah. I forget who it was. And I was like, that's brilliant. Yeah, like, man. If you, if you have the time to edit it all perfectly, right. you know, that would be cool. And that would be I'm content saying, that um, go on YouTube, you know? And it, 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 the thing is, if, you, if your goal is to get the most views, to be famous, then uh, you have to give them a little bit of you in short doses so that they sure. understand who you are because they're not going to listen to a two-hour conversation, right? right? Necessarily you know, of somebody that totally they don't even know. You. you know what I mean? Totally agree with you, man. Yeah, I mean, it's like you said, and it's funny because I don't know about you, but I know there's some comics who... I'll catch like you said a three minute bit on you know Instagram or on you know so absolutely whatever. and yeah. it's great and then I'll be like oh cool I'll watch their hour special and then when I'm like okay about fifteen minutes into this I'm like I liked you for three minutes I don't like you <laughs> so, I mean it's well, hey, it's a fair assessment but hey yeah. you know? well they pick their best clips obviously to go of out of course yeah yeah man I love talking about this because I've I've been watching stand up comedy and it up it makes me laugh in times when I've been down, you know, like, and it like, it's so amazing how uplifting it is when you just laugh out loud. And it's, Mm -hmm. you know, and I, and that's why comedians, whenever they're doing their thing, they, they say it's the most amazing feeling in the world, making people laugh. Mm -hmm. Because it is kind of uplifting the, the people that are, uh, you know, in the crowd uh, into a higher and more elevated state and happier place in life. So it's totally, a man. give, give. Yeah. yeah, you know, I mean, a lot of comedy, like if you talk to comics, they'll tell you, you know, a lot of comedy, you know, comes from pain, right? Like you have people who, that's where their best stand-up comes from. And even yeah. like, we talk about it, you know, you mentioned earlier, like Louis, one who will talk about his weight. He's talked about issues with his family, you know, he's talked about all these different things and it's kind of a coping mechanism. And I think part of the reason why, like you said, you know, it kind of uplifts you is, you know, A, it's funny, but B, like, you don't feel alone. You can identify and you can recognize yeah, very much so. bits of yourself and some of that. And I know, you know, talking with the guys in this book, you know, a lot of them said the same thing. You know, they said this was, you know, this was a release for them. You know, this is a way that they could, you know, even if everything else has fallen apart for that 30 minutes or 45 minutes or whatever it was that they got on stage that night, you know, you, you have this outlet, this creative outlet to express yourself and to be able to, you know, to feel like you have this sense of belonging. And there's still a lot of comics who feel that way. Yeah. And do you get that with writing books? Because I know that you tried to do stand-up comedy like five or so <laughs> times. Why didn't you keep going, bro? Man. You should have kept going. You would have been Man. great. Josh, here's the, so here's the deal. So I'm going to tell you this story. I don't know if I've ever told anybody this. So here's the, the okay. stand-up comedy story for you. So I moved here in Minnesota in like 2007, right? It was really very important comedy club in town called Acme Comedy Company. And I went down there a couple of times and, you know, I loved it. It was a lot of fun. And I didn't know up to that point, like how comedy, like how you built a set, right? Like I'd never been to like a, a real like open mic before, you know, I only been mm. to where, you know, like you paid and you sat down and you watched your comics for 15 minutes, 20 minutes, 45 minutes, whatever. So to me, I just assumed that all these pro comics just knew what they were doing. You know, they came out of, you know, they came out of the womb knowing how to tell jokes or whatever the case was. So I went down there and then once I kind of started to see some of these same faces and these same people who were, were doing comedy and building their sets and working on stuff, I said, oh, this is a whole you know, process. This is where they come to get better. I get it now. So for about a cup of coffee, I was like, you know what? I can do that. I'll be a part of this world. 
And so I sign up one night, I'm gonna go do it. And I go down for my very first time and man, I'm like, I'm confident. I'm about to take over the world. It's gonna happen. And, and, then, the, and then the girl and then the girl went in front of you and she was dope. That's her, man. There's a <laughs> there's a young woman, her name is Andy Erickson, and she is she's a big deal, man. She was on a, there's a show called Screen Queens that was on Fox with John Stewart. Oh, really? Okay. Uh, you know, a couple other people. She was a star on that. Yeah. On Last Comic Standing. She's huge. But she was literally the person who went before me. And to see somebody crush that hard and then be like, okay, but I'm gonna be good too, it kind yeah. of there's levels yeah. to this and that maybe this wasn't quite me. And you know, you said something earlier too, which I think is really important. You said, you know, a lot of comics, when they get on stage, they say like, this is, they feel alive. You know, they feel like this is what they were meant to do. And I never felt that. Like I never had that same feeling that a lot of people did. Like it was fine, yeah. but like, I never felt this like, oh, I, I need this. This is, this yeah. is me. And so I think, you know, that's probably what makes me, I think, good to, to write this kind of stuff because I don't have that same kind of, perspective i think i can approach it from a different you know different angle you still love stand-up comedy but you absolutely you you're, you realize how difficult it is to be a stand-up comedian and you you i believe you said this on a on a one of the, uh your uh episodes not episodes you don't have a podcast yourself <laughs> no right? i don't but yeah but an interview good but you should everybody else does <laughs> but uh <laughs> No, you said, uh, I lost my train of thought there. What was I saying? Oh, right it's there? all right. We were talking about, uh, what were we talking about? Oh, we were talking about being able to kind of approach comedy from like, you know, an objective standpoint, being able to, to write about it because there's not necessarily the same involvement. You know, I love stand-up comedy. I respect stand-up comedy, but I don't, I myself, I'm not living and breathing it as a comic. So I think I can oh, put a little bit that, more of that's a, what a I, move perspective. Yeah, Thank you. Thank you for putting me back on track. I, I do that you. often, by the way, because I, I, especially when I'm excited about a conversation. So uh, one of the funny things about stand-up comedy is like, it, you could just go up there, like, let's just talk about Andrew Dice Clay. This guy built a, an entire enterprise on nursery rhyme jokes. I mean, if that is not, like, it, it has to just be so silly. You know what I mean? That's crazy. But dirty nursery rhyme jokes. He put the dirty in there, you know, but still, not, not hard. I, well, yeah, man. if somebody well, gives you the so idea, not I hard. Think, yeah, well, and part of it, like you said, sometimes it's not a matter of, and also kind of like I said, like Louis had said, sometimes it's not about who's best. It's about who's unique and who gets noticed and who's in the right place at the right time. Now, I think Dice is hilarious. You know, he's, he came up in a different era than I'm used to. You know, I was, you know, I was very young back in the 80s when he was like at Madison Square Garden peak. But, but yeah, like, but Louis, Louis Anderson also, I mean, he, oh, predates, very much, he yeah. predates him as well, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. And I mean, so I didn't see either of these guys that they're like, you know, their biggest. But, but like you said, it's something that nobody had ever seen before, it was something super unique. And I think, like you said, Dice is a great example of that. Yeah. Yeah, because I was thinking like if I made jokes, like if 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 it was really me and that's how it's supposed to be in order, like you're not trying to be a different character. Right. The the reason people love stand-up comedians is because they they kind of can see into their, you know, soul, mm -hmm. you know, mind you for lack of a better word. Yeah. They can see that they're a true person, that's them. That's who they are in real life. Sure. They're not fake, you know, like and that that and that there's the honesty and truth between that. So my comedy would be st stupid stuff like, uh, 
Like, hey, what, what do you get when you mix an elephant with a rhinoceros? What's that? Elephino. <laughs> you know? So it's I would, funny, just, I would start with little things like that in order yeah. for them to get to know me and then maybe build into like some kind of act, I guess. I've thought about this like a lot, but like yeah. I'm too chicken shit. Sorry, I didn't. I, I don't want to cuss, but I. Cu- hey, it's your I cuss show, man. You cuss it up. I don't mind. Uh, no, no, oh, we yeah. can. We can. We can cuss. Yeah. We can drink. We can smoke. We can do whatever do we want on this show, man. It's yeah. no holds barred. If you want yeah, to uh, pop a little heroin right now, I'm okay with that. <laughs> I don't mind. <laughs> Just oh, as man. long as hey, you can stay awake. <laughs> I was gonna say that's that's the only time. Yeah, you can't you can't leave the audience hanging. But um, no, dude. But you know what that joke you said? Perfect example, right? Like the joke. It just it's not some introspective Dave Chappelle 60 minute bearing your soul type thing but it lets people know who you are and lets them get to feel you know like this is what you're about Mitch Hedberg is somebody we talked about earlier right? oh man I love him how I many serious Mitch Hedberg jokes you ever heard right like it's all silly stuff like that man but you know I love his joke you're drawn to him for that yeah and and they, and then he throws them off like let's talk about Mitch Hedberg because I Do had it. him on here and I didn't know that he was from Minnesota which is crazy He's from Minnesota? Minnesota, yeah. He's Mitch Hedberg's originally from here, yeah. Minnesota bound. Uh, yeah, I love his style. Do you, uh, did you follow him much? Oh, yeah. I mean, he's one of those ones who, who I, I, I kind of found out about him later on, right? Like, I wasn't, when he was first coming up and when he first kind of started to become a household name, I didn't know him. And then when I kind of found his back catalog, it was like this, this gold mine of comedy. All of a sudden, it was just like, oh, my God, this guy's hilarious. I just wanted to find more, and I wanted to, you know, see more. And, you know, this is how old I am, right? I mean, you and me are in the same boat. I'm coming into, you know, all this stuff pre-YouTube. You know, I wasn't, there was no YouTube back when I was in college. So, like, finding stand-up comedy wasn't as easy as it is now. So, you know, finding comics, you did it through either, you know, DVDs or Comedy Central specials or whatever the case is. So, yeah, once Not I- even that anymore. It's just YouTube. Like, I've now found it's, yeah, I mean, now it's all YouTube. great comedy right. just through YouTube. because it- Totally, man. Totally. Yeah. Yeah, so it's it's a beautiful avenue because you know, and I and I even see my favorite uh, comedian when I first started really getting into YouTube video comedians. I know you didn't ask me this question, but I'm no, it's here, man. I'm into it. I'm always up to man. I love talking about comedy. That's what. Yeah, yeah. Okay, cool, cool, makes cool. His book and makes us all great. Uh, we can is, talk about it all day. Is uh, George Carlin, like oh, yeah. his bits. And they, they were intricate and they led one into the other and they all made sense and they were in perfect order. Like, he was so smart, like so incredibly smart and witty with the stuff and very controversial and edgy at the same time. And I think that I enjoyed that because I've always been a little bit anti-establishment. Sure. You know, like question authority a little bit because not everybody's great that's doing right. authority and that's that's just me you know that's not yeah. everybody but uh i liked his comedy because it was edgy because mm-hmm. and but it was so smart and it and it dove into politics and yep. religion and the, the the hard uh do do you, we don't have to talk about carlin right now uh, no, we can. I love it, man. No, I mean, the thing I love about Carlin, too, is, I mean, I think you and I, what we just did is we just kind of talked about just how extremely broad the spectrum is of comedy, right? You can have, on one hand, you have Mitch Hedberg, who's doing very, you know, like, one-liner type jokes, things that are just so ridiculous, you know? Yeah. He's about, like, 
you know, I used to do a lot of drugs. I still do, but I used to also. He can do that yeah. joke. And then you I used to too. I used to too. Exactly. Yeah. And, and then, then you can have George Carlin, who will just eviscerate all of the just ridiculous things that are happening in politics and religion and all these really deep worldviews. And yeah. both of those equally. And I think that goes to show you how, you know, comedy has, has this kind of endless endless line of uh of what works and what doesn't and that's why it's going to continue to grow and that's why you know the book was great because i got to see some of that growth some of that development and it's still going on today you know it's one of those things it never stops growing and developing yeah no I, I couldn't agree more and and one of the things also too is that comedians point out perspectives that you would have never thought on your own or maybe you would have gotten to them but they point them out right then like uh like, I never thought about this concept that baseball was all smiles and a happy game in a field and football was down in the ground and right. in, the, in the grindstone, you know, in baseball, uh, uh, <laughs> I, I I'm going to butcher it. So I don't want to necessarily do yeah. it, but I love his bit on football and baseball where mm -hmm. football is always down. It's third down. And baseball, we all wear a cap, you know, like right, you know, like <laughs> right. In baseball, I'm up, you're up, who's up? We're all up in, right. in football, you know, like and and so he would take that premise and just it was so brilliantly written. Yes, that I was just like, wow. But it takes attention yeah, span because I sent it to my brother, who's you know he doesn't know George Carlin and he doesn't know, so and he thought it was. Well, he did, probably didn't even watch it, to be honest with you. But like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Well, he's only three years younger than me, but he's not necessarily okay. a comedy fan. So I get you. I get you. You know how you said where you start watching somebody like they caught your attention the first two minutes. Yeah. But then you listen to him like everybody's got kind of like a time barometer where you're like, ah, I'm not gonna oh, listen yeah. to the whole thing. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think, and you know, you you said it too. You know, I mean, we're just gonna go sideways and talk comedy stuff. I think that. You know that being able to say oh this is who this person really is and they're being authentic and like that right there is a great example i think that's why there was so much pushback to dane cook early on i feel like that's the first comic who i ever had heard of in my lifetime who had such a like divisive audience where some people absolutely loved him and some people hated him because for me and what? our generation he was the first guy i'd ever seen in snippets who could do a two or three minute bit and i was like that's really funny because he started to understand the, the development and the change and how the comedy world was. And a lot of people didn't like that because they didn't come from that school. They came from that, you build your set and you got to show up and, you know, really introduce yourself. And he was, he was a cranked up version of who, who he really was. Yeah. When I, when I first started with comedy, he was, com he was like filling up uh, college shows. He would go to college because yep. it was around the time that I was about to go to college. And uh, yeah, he murdered, uh, well, he made me laugh a bunch, but I wonder where the decisive or where the divisiveness came because he was loved by all them college kids. The young generation yes. was, was the divisiveness with the older generation and the comedic world because I did, I did hear an inkling. I don't want to say it on the podcast, but I will that he used to steal jokes, similarly to uh, Amy Schumer, similarly to Carlos Mencia, similarly to, that's, that's the only three I know. 
Yeah, no, I've heard that. I've heard that before. And it's funny because, like I said, you and me were about the same because I know he used to come to my college when I was in college and he would fill up those shows and it was awesome. You know, it was hilarious. And, and I don't know, man. I mean, I'm sure if you talked with some comics, I'm sure they'd have a different perspective. But as a comedy fan, I think that, I think the, the amount of comedy that we've been exposed to, I think has changed it. It's kind of created this comedy snobbery and sometimes, right? Where now you can't just be like, oh, that's funny. Now it's about, well, you know, I listen to XYZ podcast and I like, it's kind of like when people love bands. Yeah, we were talking about stand-up comedians and, uh, well, obviously we've been talking about stand-up comedians the whole time, but I did want to know, I did want to kind of know also your, your wish list as far as stand-up comedians or your top five. I know it's subjective. Sure. But man, that's, you have that's a top five? That's a good five? question, though. That's a really good question, man. I mean, top five, oh, all-time top five. I'll go in no particular order. I'll go. Well, it has to be in a particular order because it's well, the top five. Well, yeah. Well, I'm gonna do a <laughs> grouping of five. That's what okay. I'm uh, okay. So you're not. So they're all number one. I'm not ranking them. I can't do that. I'm not. I'm not prepared enough. I understand. It's too much pressure, you know. Okay. Okay. I got <laughs> I to. No, man. I mean, I would say you know a quick one. You know, uh, Chris Rock, Hannibal Burris. Uh, you know, I would probably put, and this is gonna sound like I'm. Uh, you know, stroking his ego for the sake of the book, but you know, Louis Anderson's up there. I think, uh, you know, this is going to be an incredibly controversial thing to say because of everything, but I think personal, everything else on the side aside, Louis CK has got to be in the top five. And then I think you've probably got to go mm, tough one. I'm going to go, I'll go Chappelle. Chappelle's going to be my number five. Wow. All right. Let me, let me give you a list of some you left out. (laughs) Sure. Let's have it. George Carlin. Yep. Seinfeld. See, I've never been a Seinfeld guy. Okay. Yeah. Subjective. But it's not. Oh yeah. But personally it's not been me, but that's a pick. I saw, I respect that. What else you got? Uh, okay. One that's one that's really hitting today. Bill Burr. Nothing? Yes, Bill's great. Yeah, he is great. Man. And then my all-time personal favorite comedian, which uh, Brian Regan. Yeah, that's a good pick. I hadn't thought about him. I haven't watched him in a while, but he's great. Yeah, he's fantastic. He comes through town here quite a bit. Yeah, he's the only guy that actually makes me belly laugh. Like yeah. George Carlin would make me think laugh. Brian Regan yep. makes me belly laugh. Like yep. Yeah, it's a different, you know, it's different guy. So everybody like Hannibal, I never really listened to. How, how sure. what was his methods really? He would he's get, great, man. I mean, he's get on people, he's, right? Hannibal, not as much, man. I mean, he's just oh, he, not Hannibal. He's so that. monotone and so like unassuming in his delivery that sometimes it takes you. It's very, it's got a lot of that same Hedberg uh, um, kind of delivery, and that it kind of takes you a second, and then it's like that delayed hit. And then all of a sudden, when you realize what the joke was, you know, it's, it's fantastic. But it's, it's definitely a different style. It's definitely much more subtle, and you got to really pay attention. Who, who's the comedian to see in uh, Minnesota right now? Or- oh, man, we got, we got some really great ones, man. I mean, there's a guy here who, you know, he's, he's not just Minnesota, but there's a guy named Chad Daniels who's probably, in my opinion, the best we've got. He's no, the best I, I'd, love to, I'd love to know who he is so I can 
listen to him. Chad, yeah, Daniels. Chad Daniels, I, I think is fantastic. He's done a bunch of different albums and he's, he's still touring. He's one of the guys who I think proved that you can have a really big comedy career and not move out of Minnesota. You know, he lives in okay. town with his kids and he's, he still travels and tours and he's had, I think he's one of the top five most streamed Spotify comics of all time somehow, which is insane to me because he's just a Minnesota guy. But he's great. I mean, there's a guy here, you know, we've got some locals who are really coming up fast. Uh, there's a guy named Ali Sultan who's great. Um, we've got, you know, people who just came out of here. There's a, a young lady named Chloe Radcliffe who just left for New York about a year ago and she's writing for the Tonight Show. She still comes back into the show. She's great. I mean, we got so many good ones, man. Pete Lee's another one who's in LA now, but he's a Minnesota guy who's, who's phenomenal and worth checking out. Uh, I mean, and then there's other ones who are just up and coming. You know, there's, there's guys, you know, there's ones I love who, who people maybe don't know yet, but they're going to, you know, there's Robert Burrill and there's Amid Kalaf and there's uh, Mo Yacoub. There's all these guys and girls who are just doing a phenomenal job out here. And it's, it's a really cool time to be a, a comedy fan and a Minnesota comedy fan. Man, I, I want to visit Minnesota. I've always wanted to visit the Twin Cities. Come on out, man. I'll take you around. I, yeah, I would love to. I would love to. When's the best time of year to visit Minnesota? Anytime except the winter. Do not come here and like... But the winter lasts like the entire time, doesn't it? That's a very good point. That's a very good point. So you got about three days. You got about three days to come out here. That's about it. <laughs> All right, so. give me the three days. There I bet go, it's probably July 4th weekend. I was going to say, you come out like now through like Labor Day, you'll be good. Hey, uh, uh, throwing a question in for Matt, if you don't mind. Uh, sure, let's do it. A comedian that's uh, one of your favorites that was left out that you think maybe should have been mentioned? Uh, I don't know that these are considered top five because those people you mentioned are, are pretty good. Turn, turn your mic up. You guys can't hear me? I, hmm? I can't. A little bit. How about now? Whisper. There you, there go. you go. Okay. Um, I was saying... Uh, you know, these guys aren't really top five, but they're some of my favorites. I would say Richard Jenny was a big one with me. Mm, yeah, um, that's a good pick. And Jim Brewer was always big. Yes. Just the way he's so physical and like you could almost watch him without words and you'd be laughing because he's just so physical and funny looking. Yes. Um, he's like and... a bobble-headed gecko. <laughs> And I think, you know, we were talking earlier about guys who are good in the improv and the stand-up. Brewer's another one, man. His stand-up is hilarious, but he's a great improver. He's hilarious. Yeah, he was on SNL for a bit, wasn't yeah. he? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, and then another guy I liked that wasn't super big, but um, Steve Byrne. I don't know if you guys yeah. have Yeah, yeah, for sure. He was, he was, you know, he was never anything crazy, but just the way he delivered the jokes was just so... It's kind of like yeah. that deadpan thing. Um, he, yeah, no, he's great. He did a movie not that long ago that he kind of executive produced that was that was hilarious. And it was kind of about like the journey of being a new stand-up comic. I, I'm trying to remember what it was called, but yeah, no, he's a really good one. That's a those are some solid underrated picks. I like it. Right. Yeah. So is that the guy that has he's bald and he has like really curly hair on the sides nope. and he makes really sarcastic jokes? Nope, not him. Oh. <laughs> I don't know who you're talking see, about. But. See, that's the, it's so funny, right? Like, I think that I know comedy, but I'm really only on the surface of comedy. You know what I mean? You guys are, like, deep into the comedy scene. 
which is now, cool. Steve Byrne is uh, if you ever watch, he's a he's an Asian gentleman. He's on. He did his own show on TBS for a while called Sullivan and Son. He's done. He's in Practical Jokers. I know he's done some stuff with those guys before. So he's been around. Okay. I mean, he's one of those. He's another one who, like you said, I don't feel like he ever got as big as he should have got, but he's done. He was on Chappelle's show. He was doing Colin Quinn's show back in the day. He's been he's been grinding for a long time. That's a really good one. Good. Yeah, All and right. he's he, I think he's he's kind of switched to like you said, directing and doing some other yep. stuff. I think he did yep. a documentary on um, one of the magician comedians. I can't remember his name. Um, I can look it up, but the the documentary was really good so he's he's obviously super talented even not specifically stand-up comedy amazing jonathan that's the one yes yeah yes i did see that that was great yeah it was really yeah, good going <laughs> yeah man no, i the, love it man yeah, i actually looked it up it's, it was called the opening act that was the movie he had directed and it was it's got uh gosh i want to say it's like cedric the entertainer kind of is in it he's got a lot of really some big names in it, but yeah, he's like you said, he's kind of moved into more of that directorial role now. But he's a great one. That's a yeah, like I said, about this all day. I love it, guys. Yeah, man, I I only have one to add, and it's because uh, I've recently been uh, really into him because he, he does crowd work. You know, crowd work, right? Where oh, he yeah, like basically like he just it's like improv, but he just goes up there and he just basically like talks to the crowd <laughs> and then just makes improv jokes like from there. Yeah. His name is uh, Andrew Schultz. You know who he is? Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's another good pick. Yeah, there's it's like you said, man. It's an incredible time for comedy. There's so many good comics, and they're coming out of every which way now. And it's it's one of those things where. You know, no matter how you or what your style is, I feel like comedy is the one thing that's kind of universal. You know, people always recognize and identify themselves within some type of comedy, which is great. You know, there's some people who maybe aren't huge music people. They're not huge, like you said, theater people. But comedy is something that's kind of a universal language. Yeah. Well, uh, look, I know you're busy and let's do let's definitely do part two, because yeah, uh, like I could talk like I could talk about this for a long time. And. You know, we could really delve into some different uh, perspectives. And I really want to talk about your book more, too. You know, and like what influence Minnesota had on everything. So, I, I yeah. man, I appreciate you being on, bro. Oh, Thanks absolutely, so man. Oh, we'll set it up. This is a lot of fun. Anytime. I'm happy talking to you guys. This is great. All right. Awesome, man. Awesome. Well, uh, all right. Well, then, uh, two, three, one, we're out. And uh, we will talk soon. All right. Have a good one. See you guys. Thanks. All right. All right. Bye, Patrick. Thanks, man.